Hey church, good to be with you again as we prepare to worship the Lord and study scripture together. It's been another um, frustrating hard week in this country. There's been uh, more violence in the streets, more racial tension, and more discord and disunity. And if you're like me, it's upsetting. Um, And uh, so we just wanted to take a second as a church to invite you to pause your screen and simply pray. Uh, Pray uh, for healing, pray for peace, pray for truth, pray for justice, Uh, pray that the Lord's will would be done in America. Let's just take a second and pray together. Thank you for joining us in prayer. We're going to open with a song that puts two psalms uh, together. It kind of picks and chooses from a couple of the lyrics. And I thought it was worth sharing. From Psalm 20, it says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And Psalm 121 says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. In times of trial, we know to whom we go to pray, to seek truth, to seek peace. Let's honor the Lord Jesus and his power over this country, over our church, over our lives today. Let's sing together. Here we go. Some may trust in horses. Some may trust in chariots. Oh, but I... I'm on a trust in the name of the Lord. Some may trust in riches. Some may trust in all they own. Oh, but I, I will trust in the name of the Lord. There is wonder-working power, Holy Spirit power, great redeeming power, power in the name, resurrection power, bondage-breaking power, power in the name of Jesus. Some just in their strength comes from the Lord above. He did not leave us here alone. He indwelled us. Gave us the Holy Spirit. Let's sing. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing 
tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit
Thank you, Chad and worship team. It's so sweet to see former students up there. I love it. Uh, hey, everybody, how are we doing today? Hopefully you are having a wonderful weekend. I have a couple of announcements for you. So here we go. Uh, first of all, if there's anything we can be praying for you, go ahead and text those prayer requests over to 97,000. We'd love to pray for you this week. Now, if you are watching this video on Saturday night or early Sunday morning, this announcement is for you. We have our baptisms going on this Sunday at the end of second service. So at the end of our 1045 service, we're going to have some baptisms and then stick around after church, have a little church barbecue and hang out. If you're interested in jetting on over to the church, we'd love to have you for those. Ladies, this Monday night, you guys are having another courtyard gathering here at the church. So come on over to ABF at 6.30 p.m. And then coming up in a few weeks on Monday, September 14th, we have another opportunity uh, to serve meals. So if you're interested in putting some sack lunches together, you can sign up for that. Finally, thank you again for your giving. If you're looking for ways that you can give, you can do that online, on the app, or you can send in a check. You might be thinking, Josh, where did you get that amazing t-shirt from? And my answer for you is, I got it from camp. Can we get one of those really amazing championship t-shirts? No, you can't because you weren't at camp. However, you can watch this sweet video recap of the amazing time that we had at camp this past weekend. Check it out. He's running cold. Yeah, but cold. we're pretty, we're close on that. So yeah. it actually might be someone accurate. Okay, so okay. it's to him. Jones. Awesome, a cool chance to see some of the highlights from our one-day camp. I love having a chance for almost 80 students to be here on our campus. I know so many of them are just starved for community and so grateful for the team putting that together. Well, as great as that weekend was, we have what I would suggest an equally awesome one coming up this weekend. It's one of my favorite weekends of the year. It's Baptism Sunday, as you heard about 
and announcements. And really the highlight of that is getting a chance to hear stories of life change, stories of people that had come into relationship with Jesus Christ. God chased them down. God shook their tree. God got their attention and drew him to yourself. I find when I hear those stories, I find them not only intriguing, I also find them faith, uh, faith affirming. I find them compelling and um, motivating in our walk with Christ. And so uh, we'll make sure we get a, a highlight video of that next weekend if you're unable to attend that as well. I would love if there was a chance, man, I was just thinking about that this week, if there was a chance to go around and really get capture every single story in this church family of how the people that have embraced Christ came to know him. I imagine just the, the details would blow your mind. All the extreme measures that our God goes to, to seek us and find us wherever we're at. What I have noticed, though, after hearing lots of testimonies over the years, I've noticed a certain pattern that kind of exposes itself, that comes to, to light, a, a pattern of kind of how it works in the life of someone that did, doesn't know Jesus Christ. It usually starts with these three things. First, an introduction, then an encounter with Jesus, and then a choice to decide what you do with that introduction and encounter. Well, we're about to continue in our text in John, in John chapter 1, verse 35, and we're going to see that pattern on full display, the introduction that is given, the encounter, and then the choice that's made to accept or reject. I'm going to pray first, though, before we uh, start diving into this week's section of Scripture. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to be together and to gather around your word. It's worth it. It's worth our time. It's worth our energy, and we ask that you'd meet us during this stretch, that you'd encourage us, that you'd compel us, that you'd meet us uh, right where we need to be met this week. I know there's so much going on, and the refreshment of your word, I pray, would just wash over our church, even in these moments. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we're picking up chapter 1, verse 35, and uh, where we left off last week was talking about John the Baptist. John was a, a blessing with that. And really, this is a fun week because this, if you're a Jesus follower, this is your origin story. This is where it all began, the calling of the 12 disciples as Jesus begins his public ministry. So we're going to begin here in verse 35, looking at this introduction. It says, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. Kind of a cool thing. It's a repeat description. As we mentioned last week and actually the last two weeks, John is genuinely preparing the way for Jesus. He has no agenda of building his, his likes or followers. He has nothing about that. He's taking every opportunity to highlight and to celebrate who Jesus Christ is here for the second time, introduces him as the Lamb of God or a provision for sin from God. You see, anybody that would have heard that description, Lamb of God, would understand, would understand the role of a sacrificial role, that, of a sacrificial lamb. They've lived under that now for many generations. So they understood when it's the Lamb of God, that's the ultimate lamb, the sacrifice that could rescue everyone, the one that they had been waiting for, the Messiah had finally arrived. Notice it wasn't a hard sell. It was just a declaration of who Jesus is, which if you think about it, not just an introduction of who he is, it also suggests what he can offer, the forgiveness of sin. In fact, the day before when he'd seen Jesus, he added a little onto it. When he said the Lamb of God, he said, who takes away the sin of the world. If you think about it, as I mentioned this pattern at the beginning here, every single faith journey starts with an introduction of Jesus. And usually that's the piece that we as believers get to be a part of. We get to be a part of that introduction. In most cases, there's somebody that introduces someone else to the love and grace of Jesus Christ. There's a rare occasion, we'll talk about that in a little bit with Nathaniel, that God introduces himself in somebody's life, but more, more often than not, it's somebody doing the introduction for 
Jesus Christ. And I've found that to be such a, a huge privilege. Hopefully you've had that opportunity in your days and your weeks to have opportunities to just tell people about Jesus and how he's changed your life. A couple of years ago, I had the, a huge privilege of interacting with a, uh, w- with a rabbi that was in the area. And I took a risk and I said, you know what? Do you mind if I just take a couple minutes to share what we believe about Jesus Christ? The end of the conversation, I found myself talking quite a while as I explained all about Jesus Christ and the connections to the Old Testament and how the fulfillment of so many prophecies. And in that end of that conversation, her response was, that was the most fascinating conversation I've had all year. So I found that encouraging. Now, what God did with those seeds that were planted, I don't know, but it's a huge privilege as an opportunity. Just two weeks ago, I was mountain biking. You've heard me mention that before. I'm clearly not doing too well at that, but I was mountain biking with a group of guys and I was at the back of the, the, the group and one of the guys just being nice was staying back a little bit. He didn't know that when he brought up his thoughts on religion, he was gonna get a dose of explanation of Jesus' grace and love for him. It was a fantastic conversation. It's kind of weird to be sucking wind, bicycling up a hill while I'm explaining the difference between works-based uh, religion and, uh, uh, and the, the grace that Jesus offers. But either way, every single start to a relationship with Jesus Christ begins with an introduction. And that's what we see here. It's the introduction. And then two people, his two disciples that are with him, respond Verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. All right, we'll pause there. So John the Baptist's two disciples, who we uh, later, by piecing this together, realized it was Andrew and John, our author. Those are the two disciples that are with him. And they have this, this invite to go follow. And they, as they start coming up to Jesus, you notice that, that Jesus uh, has the, the, a question that he throws at them, kind of cut into the chase. He says, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? If you think about it, most uh, intense interactions with God, most encounters with Jesus Christ have a, a pretty intense question, and that's the one that he asks. It wasn't because Jesus was lacking information, though. Later on, when we're introduced to Nathaniel, we'll see that he knows exactly what's going on with everyone involved here. This isn't a Macy's sales clerk asking, what can I help you with? This is asking and pushing them to ask some tougher questions. What is it that I'm seeking in life? It's actually a wonderful question for us to ponder as we're going through some of the chaos in our world. What are we looking for? What are we, as we, as we dabble and we explore all of the things going on, are we looking for love? Are we looking for acceptance? Are we looking for comfort, popularity, respect, justice, to be right? I don't know what it is for you, but he starts right there with that tough question. That's often what an encounter with Jesus looks like, a tough question, something you have to wrestle with. Notice that they don't answer the question. Instead, they refer to him. First, they acknowledge him as rabbi, which demonstrates their respect for him. But notice in the absence of responding, they just ask the question, so where are you staying? I find that kind of odd, but when you actually think about that, you're starting to see a little bit about the two of these guys. They're one, they're showing due respect, but they're also acknowledging that they'd like to spend some more time with Jesus. I love that our God found that was an appropriate starting point. That's an appropriate place for us. Any seeking heart can start with that question. So how can I, how can I hang out with you more? I love that idea of us being a church where anybody can show up and regardless of where they're at, they don't have to have all the questions answered as to what they're seeking for in life, what they have going on. They just have to be at a place where they're intrigued enough about Jesus that they wanna find out more. And that's exactly where these two guys are at. And he invites them, his response to them, come and you will see. 
That's always the, the, the response to a seeking heart from Jesus Christ, his invitation. Hey, if you want to know, I would love to welcome you in, to welcome you into relationship. And we see here that they got the opportunity to spend the rest of the day. You see that this was obviously a firsthand account because, because John himself is making reference to the fact that it was at the 10th hour. So he comes and sees, and whatever happened in that interaction, on the other side of it, they were convinced that he was who he said he was. Look in verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. All right, we'll stop there. So we're getting to see their choice. So first you had the introduction, then you had the encounter with Jesus, and then obviously their choice is demonstrated that they believe, and now they're starting to start the cycle all over again, introducing others to Jesus. So he's running, you see here that he goes and finds his brother, which is probably the most natural thing to do is try to engage with your family first. And he tells him, Andrew, he tells him, man, you, we, we found the Messiah. You, you've got to come with us. And it says that he grabbed him, or it doesn't say that he grabbed, but I have that, that picture. It just says that he brought him to Jesus. I have that idea of just tugging on his arm. You got to come see who Jesus is. I don't know who it was for you. Maybe it was someone in your family that first introduced you to Jesus Christ. So often that's how the story goes. Somebody that genuinely cares about you and loves you, tells you about the saving grace of Jesus. My parents were faithful and diligent with that. Uh, with each one of us kids, I have two sisters, all three of us embrace Christ at young ages. I uh, am reminded of kind of the starting point of my relationship with Jesus Christ was my mom reading Bible stories before bed. I think about that and I think of how important it is, the investment in our kids and for us as parents to think through what are we doing to introduce Jesus to the ones that we care about the most? What are we doing? What does that look like? Makes me a little nervous when we've been so long with so many not in church. I know Adrian is faithful sending out content every week, but I would advise and, and even uh, try to encourage you as parents to make sure you're either passing on that content that we provide or coming up with your own game plan for investing spiritually into your kids. Well, here, uh, out of love, Andrew is anxious to introduce. He brings, uh, brings Simon to Jesus, and it's another intense encounter. So the first one's an intense question. Now the second encounter that we're about to see in this, this trend is not a, a casual one. What does he do when Jesus encounters him? He says, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. So knew who he was. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, I know we've talked about this before with Peter, but it never ceases to amaze me how awesome and cool, how amazing that is that God demonstrates his authority. Say, I'm gonna just give you a new name. I'm gonna start calling you Peter. Now, it'd be one thing if he said, I'm gonna start calling you moron, but instead he say, I'm gonna start calling you the rock. There's not a lot of people that are gonna argue with that new nickname. But what's so awesome about that is that there's some actual depth in that decision. You see, Peter, as you get to know him, this was a needed change. This was a, a fresh start. This was a new beginning. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This was a new day for Peter, for Simon, the name that he's given. If you think about it, if you get to know Peter's story a little bit, this title was the exact opposite of what he was known for. Peter, to be honest, was a little bit, a little bit flaky, known to be big promises, but very minimal delivery. And so here is what it was. It was Jesus calling him out to what he could be, not what he was. 
what he would look like if he had had Jesus Christ driving the ship rather than when he's allowing self to operate. And what you'll see in the rest of the accounts of Peter's life, of Simon's life, is that Jesus used those names interchangeably. When Simon was acting like Simon, Jesus would refer to him as Simon. When he was wanting to encourage him a bit, when he's heading in the right direction, he would call him Peter. Kind of a cool reality how God used that description to call him out to more than what he currently was. He saw beyond his current state to what he could become. I love that about our God. He sees past our current circumstances to what we can become. You think about that, Simon would have likely cringed every time he heard his old name used. And really that's the same for us that are in Jesus Christ. Every single day we have marked in our day opportunities to either live and operate in the flesh and our old self or to operate with our new name under the new umbrella of a follower of Jesus Christ. This was the choice that he had. And here we see, as we'll see as the story of the disciples plays out, he chooses to follow Jesus Christ. Continue to see that pattern in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, and Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? People said to him, come, I'm sorry, Philip said to him, come and see. All right, so a lot to unpack there. Basically, this pattern is playing itself out with more introductions, but this one's a little bit different as I alluded to earlier. Bethsaida was on the northeast shore of the Sea of Galilee. That's where Jesus decides to come visit. That's where these guys are from, kind of a fishing village. Had an amazing opportunity when Adrian and I uh, were in Israel just a couple of years ago to be at the, at the shoreline there. Actually, here's a, a picture of it you can check out uh, on the screen. This idea here is that, that he showed up and met them exactly where they were at. Here's the interesting thing. Philip is kind of a new character. There's, no, there's no, nobody saying somebody introduced Philip. It says that Jesus came upon Philip and invited him to follow. Now, we don't know exactly what compelled Philip to stop whatever he was doing and go ahead and follow, but something must have happened in that interaction that he was willing to drop everything. That's the same idea today. Sometimes, that encounter with Jesus is even independent from a personal introduction. I was reading this week an article by the Gospel Coalition. as a recent study of over 600 Muslim converts. Over 25% of them had a dream that led to their conversion. So 150 out of the 600 could point back to not being introduced by a friend or family member to Jesus Christ, but a direct encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, I know we're all often hesitant and cautious to, to buy into dreams, but I, I'm convinced that God uses whatever means necessary to reach out to man, whatever, whether he has to do the introduction or whether we are part of the process. Here, even though unsure of what, what convinced him, it says that Philip went on to his friend, Nathaniel, and starts sharing. Do you see the process? Again, introduction, encounter, and then it goes on to belief. His belief is demonstrated by the fact that he goes to Nathaniel and said, hey, we have found him to whom Moses and the law, also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In other words, we've found the Messiah we've all been waiting for. Nathaniel, finally, you start to see a, a little bit of resistance. Not a ton, but enough to pick up on. Look at his response in verse 46. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You wonder what's going on there. What's kind of the, the root cause to that? A little bit of, of, of digging this week, and I saw that Nathaniel was actually from 
uh, Cana, which was about 10 miles uh, north of, of, uh, of Nazareth. So maybe it's a little bit of cross-town uh, rivalry. I don't know if their football teams were going against each other, or it might have just simply been the whole kind of hating on smaller towns. As most likely, Nazareth was kind of like us when you have get stuck in the middle of nowhere and have to stop at a gas station that in a town that has like a liquor store uh, and a gas station. That's about it. But either and no dentist. But either either way, uh, here we see it's a little bit of a, a, a tense moment, but Philip doesn't get distracted or into a debate. Look at his words. What does he invite him to in verse 46? F- verse 46, Philip said to him, come and see. That's awesome. I love that as you think about trying to interact with people about Jesus Christ. You're not trying to argue with somebody. You're not trying to get into some big debate. You invite people to come and see and let Jesus worry about the encounter. So Jesus steps in, verse 47, pick up there. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. All right, what just happened there? First off, when Jesus comes, he's approaching Nathaniel. He compliments him, maybe quasi compliments him. He says, he points out that with him, there is no deceit. In other words, what you see is what you get. You're, he's honest and forthcoming, most likely a little bit obnoxious and maybe not guarding his words as we just saw demonstrated in the verse prior. My uh, friend Rick Maddox uh, recently moved to Texas uh, from the church. We really miss Rick and Simone. And as I think about what character in this story, I think of early or pre-Christian or, or early Christian Rick Maddox was Nathaniel. You never knew what was going to come out of his mouth next. So this is basically with, I know maybe that's not a compliment, but can you picture that? Work with me. But here, here's the idea. Based on, based on what he knew, it may have been a, a badge of honor when he heard that from Jesus, or it may have been something that he was a little bit ashamed of. Either way, look at his response. Soon as Jesus points out, you're a guy, you're, a, a guy, you're, you're somebody with no deceit. Nathaniel's response, how do you know me? In other words, acknowledging, yeah, I guess that's true. So either way, he acknowledges that. And then Jesus takes it to the next level. He says, how do you, how do you know? Jesus answered, before Philip called you, he had just talked to him about it. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Whatever happened there, we don't know all the details. We don't know what was going on with a fig tree. Uh, but most likely, Nathaniel's playing back in his mind. He's like, I was under that fig tree, but I didn't think anybody saw me there. Like, how in the world would Jesus know? Whatever that interaction is referring to, it was enough to throw Nathaniel back on his heels and say, whoa, look at his response. He says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. A beautiful description of what Jesus was. Here's again, that pattern. Introduction, what's the next thing? An encounter, and then a response. A a, a choice as to how he's gonna respond. Every single one of these encounters, you'll notice, when they actually cross paths with Jesus in real life, they could not resist who he was. I love that about our Jesus. When he actually, when you, when you actually encounter the, the true Jesus, the, not the religious Jesus, not the one that's maybe Americanized Jesus, but the true Jesus, it's hard to resist. You're drawn to him like a magnet. Every story has similar aspects to it. And so here, each one of them ended with that same thing, the choice to believe. And really, every single one of them, very different. Whether it was a brother, a friend, a a random encounter with Philip, or here, this last one, a supernatural encounter, God meets people. He knows exactly what's needed to draw people to himself. And so we can't give anybody ever a hard time 
for a boring testimony. That, that's just a, a boring testimony was just saying that they had a soft enough heart that God didn't have to go to an extreme measures to, to draw them to himself. I actually hope for my kids to have boring testimonies. I would love for them to someday just say, I loved Jesus when I was a kid and I still love him today. That's the idea here is Jesus drew these guys to himself. Different ways, all that matters is that they made it to Jesus I like when you think about this for a moment. Jesus is the only way, but there are many ways to Jesus. I'll say that again. Jesus is the only way, but there's many ways to Jesus. He takes people on all kinds of paths to discover him. Continue in verse 50 as we conclude. It says, Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? It's like, hey, that was an easy sell you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. If you think about it, this is kind of a, a little bit of uh, almost sarcasm on Jesus's happy behalf. He's like, listen, you're, you're about to see a whole lot more. If you were in, in, impressed with the whole fig tree thing, you're going to be blown away. The next miracle, actually the very first miracle that we're going to be seeing next week, the first of 37 miracles that are recorded in the Gospels will take place in Nathaniel's hometown of Cana, when you'll see that next week. But all moving forward, he's going to see countless, not even everything that's captured in Scripture, opportunities for Jesus to demonstrate that he is what he had thought. He is the Son of God. He is the king of Israel. Pretty awesome. Jesus concludes with this description. He says, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. I love that picture because we have this idea of a stairway to heaven. I led Zeppelin is that who sings that? Uh, I don't know. I'm old. Uh, Led Zeppelin has this idea of a stairway to heaven. Here we see what is the stairway to heaven? What, what's ascending? It says God, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There's no other route. There's no, no other ladder. There's no ever other stairway. There's only one, Jesus Christ. And he's explaining to him in the early stages, you're going to get to see that I'm the one and only way to heaven. So final thoughts when you're thinking through this pattern. First one, the introduction. I'm wondering, first off, if maybe you're here and you've never had an introduction to Jesus Christ. Maybe this is the very first time you've heard about him. My prayer is, is that you would encounter him in a real and tangible way this week, that you would come to realize, man, I have to decide who is this Jesus Christ and you'd find him to be the one and only rescue that, you've ever, that your heart has been longing for. Also, for those that are uh, thinking about that topic of introduction, my hope is also for there to be a stir within our church family. I'll tell you what, during these crazy times, the thing that I'm more convinced of than ever, the only thing that can solve the predicament of our world is the grace and love of Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that can change somebody from the inside out, that can conform somebody into his likeness. That's the one hope we have. And you get to be a part of that introduction. It doesn't need to be complicated. Look at, look at how this played out. Come and see. Come and see that he's real, that he can change your life. You can be a part of that introduction, even with somebody this week. Then that encounter, that invite to come and see, that's for us not just non-believers, but it's also an invite for the believer, for you to continually come back. It's not the, just in the introductions, it's part of the ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ, that you'd encounter him in real and tangible ways. But what I know, and I'm sure you've realized as well, is that you don't stumble on that. You have to carve out time for that. You have to prioritize that. Otherwise, it slips down the list with all the other priorities moving themselves ahead of it. Last one is the idea of a choice. So introdu introduction, encounter, and choice. For some, 
There's left with that, that you've already had the, the introduction. You've already had the encounters with Jesus. Now you're just simply left with a choice. What am I going to do? I can't stay on the fence forever. You're either in or you're not. You're either embracing the free gift of Jesus Christ or you're saying no thank you to that. My hope and my prayer is on this baptism weekend that that would be a choice that someone, whether it's either on the computer or here on the weekend service, God, that someone encounters you and makes a choice to embrace you as Lord and Savior. That's my prayer as we wrap up. Let me conclude. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to be in your word and we start to see this pattern and we're gonna see it through the rest of the New Testament. There's that introduction, there's that encounter, and then there's a choice, a choice. And I'll tell you what, when someone makes that choice, the things that they'll experience, I love what he said there to Nathaniel. If you think that was a big deal, wait to see what's to come. And that is what I would suggest is the same thing for anyone that gives their life to Jesus Christ. Not somebody on the sidelines, partially in, but when we fully dive in, we'll be blown away with our experience with you. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your reconciliation with mankind through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
All right, church family, just a reminder, as I mentioned at the end of the service, if there's someone here that's never made that decision, now is an amazing time that you can just slow yourself down, go before God. It's real simple. It's not that complicated. Confess your sins before him, acknowledge your need for him, call out for him to be your rescue. It can redirect your, t- your eternity. That's my prayer for you going into the week ahead. For the rest of us, my prayer is there'd be fresh new encounters all week long with our loving Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.